All right, into hour two of the program. It is Sportsnet today. Coming to you live this Monday from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, cracked foundation, Boeing foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement. Even at dlbasementsystems.com. Alongside my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor this afternoon. Our one in the books. Putting a bow on the Young Stars Classic in Penticton. Flames with a 4-2 win over the Winnipeg Jets prospects earlier today. Next up, fitness testing and main camp later this week. Also, chatted with Emily Sadler from Sportsnet.ca. Our regular chats with Emily going forward, chatting all things about NFL Sunday. So if you missed any of that, you can find it on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Pods go up moments after every hour finishes here on Sportsnet 960. Kicking off hour two, however, with some more hockey talk. It was the story of the weekend in the NHL. Just days after an NHL, NHLPA investigation into accusations raised on the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Mike Babcock officially resigning as head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now Yarmo Kekalainen and John Davidson passing the head coaching duties on to Pascal Vincent. And just days before training camp starts in Columbus, a massive changing of the guard to help us chat all things Columbus Blue Jackets. Break down what happened over the weekend. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcoming Craig Murs, writes for the uh, NHL.com, covering the Columbus Blue Jackets. Craig, thanks for doing this today, sir. How are you? Well, I'm great. Just a typical quiet Monday afternoon <laughs> in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, nothing nothing from the weekend to percolate on a Monday, eh? No, no. I thought you were calling to talk about a high state football. You know? <laughs> yeah, I bet you some people in Columbus would rather be talking about that today than, uh, than what we had on the weekend, yeah. Craig. <laughs> Uh, Craig, talk to me about what you heard today, the uh, official press conference with John Davidson, Yarmo Kekalainen, and the Jackets' new head coach. Uh, what uh, what kind of caught your ears and eyes as you heard from the uh, the management group in Columbus today? A lot of, we're sorry, I'm sorry, a lot of mea culpas, uh, a lot of this will never happen again, a lot of we screwed up, and an admission that this was going nowhere, that they had to get rid of Mike Babcock in some way, whether they fired him or let him resign. Um, it was not tenable that he could stay with the program in any form or manner. Uh, this was a case that it was going the wrong way. They had heard the report from the NHLPA, and you know the, a lot of the young players were uncomfortable, maybe even more than just the young players, and the way he handled things. They said, you know, this, this can't go on any further. How much blame do you put on, or is there blame to be shared between John Davidson and Yarmo Kekalainen in your mind? Yeah, um, I think foremost, we, he didn't say it. We couldn't really get out of him, but you get the feeling that Yarmo was the leader of this to hire him, um, and that may be the case most likely. And, yeah, I think that um, they both have regrets. They, now, we heard due diligence. You know, the vetting process, we went through the due diligence but you have to wonder, were they talking to people that were going to say good things, saying the things they wanted to hear? Or were they talking, you know, how many people in Toronto did they talk to about mm-hmm. the Mitch Marner incident or Detroit? 
uh, or they, were they just getting, you know, friends of Babcock? I know they talked to Ken Hitchcock. They talked to Dave King. They talked to Rick Nash, who works for the Blue Jackets and played in the Olympics for him. So, you know, the due diligence, um, they didn't pay off this time. Is this a case in your mind, Craig, where the players have maybe more power and influence on, on jobs like the head coach than maybe they've ever had in the NHL's history? Yeah, I think it's a case of, well, social media. You know, yeah. 15 years ago, what would this have been like? Well, it might have been buried somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, one, you start off with that. So, yeah, they have that that power there. And, two, the world is changing. You can't have coaches, um, tyrannical coaches running around and, and doing things in any sport. And the players will respond, and they have – representation now they have really good representation uh, you heard that today from the blue jack both from the blue jackets front office and from the players today that you know this was handled very professionally by the nhlpa very transparent and uh, so you look at it in that regard yes the players do have more power is there uh, a worry in the columbus blue jackets organization or was it addressed at all that this had to come out through a, a podcast like spitting chicklets and it wasn't something that was raised internally? Like, was there a, ever a worry in your mind from the player's perspective that they didn't have the assets or, or the outlet necessary to bring up something like this? Yeah, and we asked Boone Jen about what did, should they have gone to him first and what was the way it went, it came down, and he didn't really address that. Yeah. And the Blue Jacks themselves have said, you know, we try to be a, a team that you have the trust. I think there was a breakdown. There had to have been a breakdown that somewhere along the line these young players didn't feel comfortable. And maybe because they are young players, they didn't feel comfortable going to management and saying, hey, we don't like this. We don't like what's going on. Um, and in terms of the veterans, you have to understand they're coming off two, well, one really bad season and one season before Brad Larson's two seasons in Columbus as a rookie head coach. Last year was terrible. They felt like they had an opportunity to change things around with Mike Babcock. So, in that regard, they're going to have a different perspective on things than some of the younger players were. And some of the younger players just getting into the organization probably probably did not feel comfortable uh, addressing this. As far as going and finding out on, on a podcast, absolutely the worst way to find out any type of news. Uh, John McConnell uh, placed a statement to the majority owner of the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, expressing some frustration, disappointment, obviously, about what's happened uh, in the last week or so, he gave, uh, I guess, as strongly as you could, uh, a vote of confidence for Yarmo Kekalain and the management group going forward. But given how the, the results have been the last couple of seasons in Columbus that you, you've mentioned, and now this whole situation, is it fair to say that there's going to be a, a pretty strong spotlight on Yarmo Kekalainen's job security going forward? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we, were, we were talking in the press room after the press conference today about the most secure person on the Blue Jackets organization is, is Pascal Vincent. He just got a two-year contract, and they're yeah. not going to dump him immediately. Okay, yeah. They get off to an 0-8 start. He's not going anywhere. If they get off to an 0-8 start, you're almost in trouble. And, you know, he did apologize. That he said it was a mistake. But it was also a mistake he admitted in hiring Brad Larson two years ago to replace John Tortorella. And, by the way, Pascal Vincent was a finalist for the job then. He was also a finalist for the Babcock job. So now he gets it. So, yeah, so Yomar's made two major mistakes. I think the last time I was on, on, on your radio show, on your radio, was that Yarmo Kekalein said that it was absolutely necessary to make a change from Brad Larson. Yeah. That's a pretty damning indictment of your own hiring. So he's made two major mistakes in the past three years. I don't know if, 
you know, if you get another third strike, he's got two years left on his contract. And that will probably – he may run it out or he may be fired before then. But he's, uh, he's on the hot seat very definitely. Uh, Craig Rose along with us covers the Columbus Blue Jackets for NHL.com. Uh, the new man in charge, never how you want to take over a job. I think that's pretty obvious for, for Pascal Vincent, but we've heard a, already a strong chorus from a guy like Patrick Laine, who's very excited uh, for this opportunity for Pascal Vincent. What do you think of, of Pascal being the guy to come in in this situation and take over uh, on such short notice for Mike Babcock? Well, I think he used the key word short notice. You can't yeah. go outside. You know, and at this point, if this has happened, you know, in June, even July 1st, yeah, you've got a summer to get in there and get them. I hate to say the word, get to know the players, because God knows what that would end up being. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, you get to know the organization and all. But, you know, three days before camp opens up, you have to have somebody who knows the players, knows the organization. They know him. They, they know what he's like. So there's no introductory session here. They're all going to go from the beginning on Thursday and be ready to go. So. It's a good move in that regard. He's well-respected. He's interviewed for head coaching jobs before, never got one. So, uh, unfortunately, again, it's an unfortunate situation, but he's going to try to make the most of it. Uh, and I guess just as we, we sort of wrap on before we go into some other Jackets topics, I guess how much of, of this do you think, Craig, in, in your mind was pushed forward by the fact that I know we, we probably won't get exact names as to who Babcock talked with and, and had these interactions with, but when you have so many important young players in an organization like Columbus does, and I think of obviously Adam Fantilli and Ken Johnston and all these young guys coming up in the organization, how important was it in your mind for the Jackets to set the precedent right going forward so that these young players would have confidence in the in the organization? Yeah, that, that's, that was the key right there. It's, it's your, your future is right there in front of you right now. A lot of them will be in Columbus this year like Fantilli, Ken Johnson from last season. No, it's starting his second season. Your future is with those guys, and you've got to be able to get into a situation where you have the proper culture. And they felt that they lost the locker room last year with Brad Larson in charge, and these young players that they had last year were straying a bit from being the professional that they wanted them to be. So you could not have that two years in a row. Uh, and let's uh, let's talk about some of those players that uh, are coming up with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Adam Fantilli lighting the lamp up in his most uh, recent outing with the Columbus Blue Jackets rookies. Uh, I know it's been a negative past couple of days for the Jackets, but if you're a Jackets fan, seeing what Fantilli's done the last couple of days has to get you excited about the year. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the future of the, of the franchise. Um, finally, hopefully, maybe they have a number one center. Um, so, yeah, the fans are really excited. People are wearing his jersey around. They're, they want to see him, uh, you know, start on the top line at the beginning. I think that may be pushing it a little too much, but by the end of the year, he may be. He roomed with uh, Patrick Laine, invited him to stay with him for uh, about two or three weeks here in, in the summertime. And so they may end up being line mates at some point. So that would be a heck of a combo if somehow if they could work that out. So, yeah, it's the people are excited. And I think even with the mess they've had over the past week, people want to see the Blue Jackets this year and uh, him and some of the other young talent. And uh, look, there's a reworked defense heading into this season as well for Yarmo Kekalainen and bringing in the likes of uh, of Damon Severson, Ivan Provorov to give a guy like uh, Zach Rowenski some help on the blue line. Is there an excitement level in Columbus about what this blue line could be now with a couple of proven NHL bodies joining the top six? 
Yeah, and you mentioned Wierenski. Um It's it's almost like they signed a free agent in that regard. He played yeah. thir- the first 13 games of the season for him last year, so they got you know basically three new guys this year coming in, and so yeah, they're they're really excited about that. And again, Babcock had mentioned about the defensive structure. I think people were excited about them learning how to play a better defense, which has to help Elvis in goal. I mean, the guy's been a mental case for a couple of seasons now, and the defense has been bad in front of him. So put that combination together, and he's had a really horrible last season. They thought maybe with the defensive structure that hopefully Pascal has, that that'll help total in the goal situation as well because, yeah, they need to clean that up. They're not going anywhere if they don't have the goaltending. What's a, a fair expectation for your mind, Craig, heading into the season for this group? Is it competing for a playoff spot? Is it making monumental steps forward from last year? Or is it sort of a, a almost a wait-and-see approach given the young players and now given the, the major change to the head coaching staff that we saw over the weekend here? Well, I have to, like, pull back a little bit from what I've been thinking. I thought the hiring of Babcock would be just him alone would be worth 12 points to this team, 10 to 12 points, just yeah. the way he would have accountability and everything. You know, how are you going to get that out of Pascal? Who knows? So that changes things. They had 540 man injury, man games lost injury last year. If you have half of that, that could be worth another 10, 12 points. So suddenly you're up to about the 75, 80 point mark. And then who knows from there? Will they compete for playoffs? I don't see it this year, but I could see a 25 to 30 point improvement if things work out well. For me, the big key early on now is the players say they're united. We talked to Johnny today and Patrick and Boone Jenner and, and Zach. Oh, we're all united and everything, but you have to wonder if there's fractures in there that some guys are going, well, the young guys are the ones that got Babcock fired, which totally is not true. But do you have the veterans going against the young guys? They say they had a great meeting today. Everything is kumbaya, and they'll go from there. But that's one thing we have to watch early in the season is how this team, if there's any fractions out there. going to be interesting to watch for sure after it was a very eventful weekend, probably too eventful uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets ahead of training camp. (laughs) Craig, uh, appreciate the time as always, sir. Take care. We'll chat with you again soon once hockey season gets underway, pal. Great. Thank you. Take care. Craig Merz joining us. Down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon, NHL.com writer covering the Columbus Blue Jackets and the mess that was slash is this weekend for the Columbus Blue Jackets with Mike Babcock resigning. Um, it, it felt inevitable at this point. I, I know there are people that disagree with it, and the word I don't I don't get the word woke comes up a lot and cancel culture comes up. I don't. I don't buy in any of that narrative. I, I mean, put yourself in those sort of situations, and it's just, it just felt like it was never going to work. Once this all came out, it just felt like it wasn't going to be something that they could repair. It's something that Mike Babcock felt like clearly wasn't going to be uh, a situation he could come into. And look, in Columbus and in so many places now in sports, I mean, you have to have a coach that the players feel comfortable with and if you're in Columbus look I appreciate Boone Jenner you know saying what his experience was with Mike Babcock and maybe his wasn't uh as awkward or whatever the word is that you want to invasive as as others were the guys like Adam Fantilli and Ken Johnson that I mentioned the the young guy David Yurichek all those guys coming up in the organization those are the ones that 
that really hold the power. And when you heard more about this story about how the young players felt really uncomfortable with how this whole thing was handled, you kind of knew it was going to go that way because if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets, you need Adam Fantilli, you need Eurocheck, you need all of these guys on board to be Columbus Blue Jackets for the next eight, 10 years and to really be the face of this franchise. The coach never, never outlasts the players in these, in these situations. And look, we'll, we'll hear from a couple members of the Blue Jackets front office here in just a couple moments, but it felt like this was the only way that this was going to work out. Uh, I hope everybody in the Blue Jackets organization now has had a chance to reevaluate. And, and I like what Craig said there about the the question of due diligence and how when 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 we have to say that when coaches or when GMs or management staffs talk about doing due diligence on on hires, what does that really mean? What does that process actually? mean because you'll hear from John Davidson here, the president of hockey ops in, in Columbus that look, they, they probably should have listened to some of the people that said this was a bad idea at the beginning and they didn't. So what kind of due diligence really was done with this, uh, this hire? Um, let's hear from a couple of members of them. Now we'll start with Yarmo Kekalainen, GM of the Columbus blue jackets was the man uh, we learned today that was most in control of this hire and the one uh, that, as you'll hear here, takes most of the blame for this situation unraveling in Columbus. Here is Blue Jackets GM uh, Yarmo Kekalainen with the media on Monday. This morning I had a meeting with the players and I apologized for any inconvenience, awkward um, situation that this may have put them up in. And um, it, it was my sincere apology to, to them. I'm extremely disappointed by what has transpired over the last week. We understood the dynamics of hiring Mike before we did so and understand the criticism now that it didn't work out the way we had planned. Mike was hired on based on personal relationships we've had with him. The feedback we'd received from numerous people in the game that we know and respect and extensive conversations with Mike. It's obviously fair to question our due diligence, but I can assure you that it was done thoroughly. At the end of the day, I believe that Mike Babcock deserved another opportunity to coach. Obviously that was a mistake and that responsibility is mine. I do not believe there were any ill intentions on Mike's part in the way he conducted interviews with our players to get to know them. However, whether there was intent or not, some of our players weren't comfortable with his methods, and that was concerning. As we gathered information and had numerous discussions, both internally and externally, it became very clear that the distractions caused by this were too great and were having a negative impact on our players. As a result, we came to a conclusion with everybody involved in the process that the best course of action was for Mike to step down and Pascal Vincent to take over as the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Our organization's built on values that we take very seriously. We value hard character and attitude with the emphasis on pride 
professionalism and respect. These are the ideals that guide how we operate on the ice, in the community, and in everything that we do. We are committed to doing the best we can and doing things the right way to represent our organization, city, fans, in a manner that earns their respect, trust, and support. Nothing is more important. We believe our players and everyone else inside and outside our organization should be treated with respect all the times. Failing to live up to that standard is not acceptable. Are we perfect? No. Can we do better? Yes, and we will. Pascal is prepared for this opportunity. He has earned it. While the circumstances are less than ideal, he's a very good coach and nothing should detract from that. He was a strong candidate as we went through the pod process and looked at earlier this year and we are fortunate to have him in a position to lead our team. And just like JD said that, and I told this to our team too, that for a little while, this is the uh, most excited that I've been going into the training camp. And, and it's it's sad that we're here talking about this and disappointing, obviously, but there's a lot of excitement inside the locker room to put this past us, move forward and stick together and, and, and make us a stronger team. That was part of uh, Jarmo Kekalainen's statement to the media a little earlier today on this Monday after announcing that Mike Babcock had resigned as Columbus Blue Jackets head coach. Uh, the The main part there, I mean, fair to to judge the due diligence? I'd, I'd say so. Uh, even talking about the personal relationships that he had that sort of influenced the hiring, I, that's... That's got to be concerning if you're a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets organization that that sort of personal relationship. And look, I understand everybody's got different relationships with everybody in, in hockey, all that sort of stuff. But that can't just because you have a good relationship with somebody doesn't mean you can overlook some of the obvious flaws. And, and Mike Babcock has some and he's got clearly more work to do when it comes to to fixing those that. We were told we're all behind him when this hiring was made, but clearly there was a, a lot more to this than, than than Yarmo knew or was willing to look forward, uh, and that's just not okay. And that's what you know has put him now squarely onto the focus of uh, his future going forward as the guy who makes those decisions in Columbus. John Davidson, a very well respected man in the hockey world. President of Hockey Ops in, in Columbus, uh, very to the point, and uh, I thought spoke, in my mind, uh, the the best of anyone in Columbus today as to where this situation went wrong and, and what they need to do better going forward. Good afternoon. I am very disappointed. We went through a process earlier this summer prior to hiring Mike Babcock as our head coach but we got it wrong and that's on us. I can promise you we will learn from this moving forward. I also understand the criticism that we are getting. It is deserved 
but we can all, all we can do now is learn from it and do everything we can to help our coaches and players get ready for the season. My excitement about our team and what we can accomplish this season has not changed and we are looking forward to going north. We understand the expectations of ownership and we will continue to be evaluated every day. That's part of the job. We understand that, but our focus right now is on our players and our coaches and getting ready for this season. I know this is a major misstep that we have to move past. I would like to thank the NHL and I would like to thank the NHL Players Association. When we first heard of these issues, uh, when we had discussions with both of those groups, we welcomed an investigation. They were very transparent with the information we received and we digested the information. And from there, in talking with uh, Mike Babcock, we decided there was no going back. Uh, the re resignation went forward from that point on. Uh, we're coming into camp healthy. We have added quality players to our team. We have built a deep and talented group of prospects. We're excited about this team and where we're headed. We have to get through this situation. On a very personal note, this is one of the toughest times I've been a part of in my long dealings and career in the National Hockey League. It's very troubling for me, but we also know and firmly believe that we have a good group. We care about our people. We care about our staff. We've learned a lot as a group. We've learned a lot to help us go forward. And I plan on going forward. Thank you. And uh, last but not least, the man now in charge in Columbus. Tough task for Pascal Vincent to jump in just days before training camp begins. Uh, but he spoke to the media at large in Columbus as well today uh, with the expectation going forward after being named the new head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. You say it's been a couple difficult days, yep. but you're now the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. What have these days been like? I mean, obviously, this was a goal of yours to, to get here. How have the past couple of days been? It's been difficult. Um, listen, I've been working 30 years to be a coach in the National Hockey League. Um, it's been a long process. Um, but what I'm good at is I'm a team player. And I care about people. And once I signed in as an associate coach, I was an associate coach. And I tried to do my best, and I did my best. So to see the things that are happening and, and what the organization is facing, uh, it's, it's hard. Um, once you're a Blue Jacket, you're a Blue Jacket. It doesn't matter what your role is. You're part of it. And you try to do your best. And you try to help people and, and be the right person for the players. So it's been a hard few days and then it settles in. Um, and then, like I said, my focus is, okay, what do we do? We focus on tomorrow. We make sure that we're ready. And the players, I know that they deserve for the coaches to be ready for training camp and we will be. Did you feel you had to apologize as others did or it's time to turn the page? Well, for me as a coach, it's just let's focus on on today and tomorrow. Um, if I do something wrong, I will apologize. Uh, trust me. Um, but 
today was let's go. Let's uh, sorry about this. What's happening? I'm part of the organization. I'm telling you, it was a hard day, a few days for all of us. Really was. Pascal Vincent, the new head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets going forward after Mike Babcock resigned the position over the weekend. Interesting to watch what's next with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Adam Fantilli gave him lots to be excited about uh, over a couple of rookie games on the weekend, but the big story about this uh, process, the hiring process with Mike Babcock and how the team handles it going forward will be one to watch. Uh, we'll talk some Blue Jays baseball next. We'll hear from Kevin Barker. An off day for the Jays before they start up a series against the New York Yankees. We'll try some Jays baseball next. Sportsnet Today rolls on. Sportsnet 960, the fan. All right, putting a wrap on hour two of the program. All around it today, Flames talk. Following up the 4-2 win for the Jays, or for the Flames. Can't get anything right today. All over the place today, but. It's a Monday. Stupid. Getting back in the flow of things, you know. We got flames on the mind. We got to talk about the flames. Some NFL. Call the the Cardinals, the Coyotes. We're learning. It's okay. Jeez. Jeez. I think I do this for a living or something. That's Cam and Taylor, by the way. They're doing an outstanding job. I'm still learning how to do mine properly. Flames played earlier against the Jets, not the Jays. Be weird. Young Stars Classic, rip, uh, wrapping up, ripping up, wrapping up. 4-2 win for the Flames. Next up, fitness testing and training camp beginning at the Scotiabank Sandalome under Ryan Huska for the first time. Chatted some NFL with Emily Sadler from Sportsnet and got you all caught up on the mess that is the Columbus Blue Jackets this weekend. Chatted with Craig Merce from NHL.com. And heard from a couple members of the Columbus Blue Jackets today at their press conference, including GM Yarmo Kekalainen and President of Hockey Ops John Davidson. All of that available wherever you get your Sportsnet Today podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. Wrapping things up with some Toronto Blue Jays talk. I don't get this team. I don't understand them. They confuse. I, I just... Taylor, explain the Jays to me. Um, Please, someone. How many, how many words would you like? As many as it takes. Just make them small so I can understand. You remember how the Flames made you feel last year? It's like the same thing, but with a, twice as many games. I don't know. The roller coaster is just longer and more confusing and more difficult to understand. Um, Kevin Biggio, the goat. Okay, that's enough out of you. Cut her mic. That's enough. Yeah, okay. I don't get it. I really don't. I don't know how to explain it to you. They like to make things interesting. Oh, God, do they ever. They like being the center of attention. They like... They like giving me heart problems. Stop doing this to me. Either die or wake up. It's got to be one of the two. I don't... They were lifeless. Lifeless, I tell you, against Texas. They were asleep at the wheel. Biggest series of the year at home. Could have done yourself a ton of good to secure a playoff spot going forward. Nope, they no-showed it. Biggest indication of the year, we thought that this team was ready to just roll over, 
these last couple of weeks and we're going to make life difficult on themselves to get into the postseason. Then this weekend, they go and they sweep the Boston Red Sox, who they've had trouble with all year long. Matt Chapman hits a key uh, hit in the bottom of the ninth. And all of a sudden, they're back in a playoff spot. They're half a game up on Texas. Seattle's looking up at them. Now, it's not a big lead, but it's a lead. And it's more than we thought they were going to give us a week ago. I just, I really don't. It's a frustrating group right now because at times they look like they've got it all together. The pitching comes together. They get some clutch hits and they find a way to win. And then there's that Texas series, which still sticks in my mind as what that should be the biggest indicator of what this team is, right? When the the spotlight is on you in the key series, that to me has got to be the closest thing that you're going to get this season to a playoff series if you're the Toronto Blue Jays. Just knowing where Texas was in the standings, knowing what kind of effect it could have on your season. And they fell so flat, I thought they were done. And look, is, is anything guaranteed at this point? No. They still have series against division opponents, which they struggled with this year. And the Yankees, despite being out of the playoff race, will want to do the Toronto Blue Jays no favors. And as long as I've been alive, the Tampa Bay Rays have been a massive thorn in the side of the Toronto Blue Jays. So nothing is settled here. But it's just been such a roller coaster. It's an up and down seemingly every day with this Toronto Blue Jays team. They're off today, but back at it again tomorrow against the New York Yankees. How do you process what this team is? Kevin Barker, co-host of Blair and Barker, former MLB player, longtime Jays analyst with Sportsnet. He joined Russick and Rose on the big show a little earlier today to chat some Blue Jays baseball and just tried to give the guys a sense of where he sees this team at such a crucial point in the season. Here's Kevin Barker a little earlier on this Monday chatting some Blue Jays baseball with the guys in the morning. Could could this weekend be, a, could it break any better for the Blue Jays than it did, Kevin? No, I don't think so. I think they're sort of exactly what we thought they were. Like, they're not going to change now, right? They scored 10 runs in three games against the Red Sox, who have some of the worst pitching in baseball. You know, they don't have the Blue Jays don't have a cleanup hitter. It's, you know, and, and some of the guys like Chapman and Varsho and Kirk, I mean, they've basically been non-existent. And two of those three helped out a lot, right? They they got the big hit when they needed to get it. And then that's sort of, you know, been because of all the things they do on the pitching side of the ball. The pitching is very good because they can adapt and overcome in a game, right? It's the Red Sox where you can add and subtract them, right? You can throw a breaking ball and fastball counts. You can elevate the fastball. They could tell they were having some trouble catching up to any velocity. And whenever you can adapt and overcome in game and, you know, sort of pitch to teams' weaknesses one through nine, that only means that your pitching staff's really good and, and you know, are paying attention. And you know, they got a really good p- uh, pitching coach. They, they got some decent game planning behind the plate, right? They, they're not afraid to throw whatever it takes to get people out. So, yeah, and I think the Vladdy thing – Look, I don't, I'm not saying he's turned the corner, 
But I, I do think he's been had some challenges mechanically all season. Yeah, everybody's pointing the finger at what he's swinging at. That's, for me, it's a little bit more than that. That sometimes doesn't help, but I think because of the mechanical issues, sometimes you're thinking more about where the parts are going instead of see ball, hit ball. And when you don't, you know, you're chasing things you normally don't chase. So, you know, I think the one time that he got on the field a couple of days ago and he was trying to work on one consistent move, it wasn't the foot goes, you know, he's got that fluition thing where it's the parts, right? And, and everything's got to be connected. If one's not following the other, then it sort of gets separated and he's playing catch up and, the big boys always don't look how they start, look how they finish. And now he's starting to get to his finish, and he can hold it above his head, and that creates loft, and he can get the ball in the air to the pull side. And, you know, it's just with Vladdy, it's a lot. Try not to overthink it. You know, you got a game plan on the on-deck circle. Stick to it. Don't change it while you're walking to the plate, which one of the conversations that I've had with him, sometimes that's his issue. And if he can just sort of stay away from that and – have a, a one consistent move, I think he'll continue to hit the baseball hard. But, yeah, it's right. Play clean baseball. Don't do dumb things. Right. You know, if you need to tag up late in the game, tag up. Right? It's Again, this is – you know, it's not rocket science. It's baseball 101. The scoreboard will tell you everything you need to know, how you're supposed to do things. And if you're supposed to tag up, don't have your first move towards where you want to end up. Right? Pause. Stay within yourself, mm-hmm. gather yourself, go back, tag up, and that's how you help your team win baseball games. It's about the one big inning. It ain't about three or four innings where they're scoring a couple of runs in each one of those innings. It's about your pitching staff, you know, figures out ways, whatever, to keep that other lineup from scoring and give your lineup a chance to have the one big inning. And, you know, hopefully John and Petey and Don Mattingly can, can make all the right moves when they have to by taking the pitcher out at the right time, bringing in the right guy. And, you know, they're they're doing their part when it comes to that. It's just the clean baseball part of it. If you're Alejandro Kirk and you need to get momentum and a better secondary lead, get better secondary lead. Like, you know, we all know you're slow. Your turtle's slow. Right. But that's even more reason <laughs> – for you to be better when it comes to, okay, if I need to, when a ball's hit behind me and I'm at second because we're not scoring runs and I need to get to third, I need a shorter lead, a bigger secondary lead. I need to have momentum on my right foot, balls on my toes, so that way at least I can get a better chance to give myself an opportunity to try and get to third to help the dude stand on the on-deck circle to where he can have a productive out where he doesn't have to get a hit. So it's just little things like that. If they right. can do the little things because of the way they play defense in the outfield and the way they pitch, hopefully they're a playoff team and I can come back on here in October and talk about trying to maybe make a decent run. Uh, Kevin, I wanted to ask you this about Vlad Jr. And you're talking about mechanics. Can you have good mechanics if you're pressing too hard and getting out of the strike zone? Yeah, look, this, I think those two things go hand in hand, right? When your mechanics are bad, your eyes move. When your eyes move a lot, when you're trying to make a positive move towards the baseball, the ball moves. The ball moves, you tend to chase it because you don't see it right out of the guy's hand. You don't see it long enough, right? You don't see the late break. You don't. You can't tell the difference between a fastball and a breaking ball. So for me, when the move is not the way it's supposed to be, his fruition, everybody could, that's listening to this could close their eyes and watch him or picture him doing the, the foot thing where it comes back. Well, sometimes his foot will go, his hands stay, 
and then his hands do that move, and it's not a one consistent move to where sort of everything is fluid. What that does is that keeps his square, his shoulders square. When his shoulders are square, the barrel stays in the zone longer, and it gives him a chance to be out front like the breaking ball where he one-handed that breaking ball, hit that home run. That gives him a chance. When everything's fluid on time, he sees the ball longer. He can stay through it longer. He can get to his finish because he has great rotation. He has elite bat speed. Like, he's an elite hitter who is fighting it. And – when it's a little bit more fluid, he tends to get better pitches and can do things that he wants to do offensively. And, you know, with who's hitting around him and behind him, it's a tall order. Like, that protection is non-existent. If I'd have told you two and a half months ago, Davis Snyder was going to be the cleanup hitter in <laughs> middle of September, the first, I know the first thing out of your mouth would, would be, is, did Ross Atkins get fired? Because I know right. that's what, what I would have said. And this is sort of the thing you're going through, right, is – Vladdy's getting those really nasty two-strike pitches, oh, oh, and it's up to him to have better mechanics and at least give himself the chance to, to get to the finish. So hopefully what he's done the last couple of days is going to do that. He can continue to get the big hit. They can pitch and play good defense. Kevin, do you think it's relevant that this team was able to sweep a team from the AL East? It's been widely discussed how they were struggling in division all season long, and the rest of their schedule is also all AL East. Do you think it's good for the team that they were able to kind of deal with one of those opponents that's given them some trouble this season? Absolutely. I mean, it's if we know that they've stunk against the American League East, they know it. Like, it's... You know, everybody says, don't don't look at what you've done in the past. It's impossible. I played baseball. You got any sport you ever play, you know what you haven't done well. They know it, right? They know they need to play better and they need to stop doing the things that beat them against teams like that. It's right. Again, I think just giving themselves confidence down the stretch here that Vladdy is, looks like he might be turning the corner. Their pitching staff's not getting tired, right? I mean, that's big, sort of been the big topic of conversation is. The rotation, you know, has pitched basically playoff baseball since August 1st, and how much longer can they last doing those kind of things? It looks like they've steadied the water a little bit. They've adjusted uh, things that they're trying to do between starts to keep themselves healthy and fresh, and the velocity's still there, and the late break's still there, and the mindset and the being able to self-correct on the mound is still there. So all those things are go. I just think, I think they know – if they can not beat themselves and make sure they use the 27 outs, they can beat anybody. Like, they're, mm. like you guys see it. Like, their pitching yeah. is elite, and their outfield defense, which now is a giant deal, is elite. And if they can continue to do those two kind of things, yeah, I don't see why they, you know, they can't do the little things and have the big inning. Offensively, we know what it is. Like, you look at from four on, you just <laughs> – it is amazing to me that sort of this is what it's come to when it comes to their lineup to where, you know, the Chapmans of the world that you were depending on hitting seventh and being pinch hit for late in the game. Like, it's just Alejandro Kirk's been non-existent. Varsho, right, don't like quadrants of the strike zone. He has issues with sort of some of the things that other guys in their lineup have. So, yeah, they've had some ups and downs, and for them to be able to overcome that because of a, of, of a couple of other things that they do elite, not good. The elite is only a credit to who they are and what they are as an everyday baseball team. So, yeah, they're they're going to give this thing old college try, right? They're still quitting them, hmm. which you know that's the old that's a that's an easy thing for a a college 
country, or, or excuse me, a, a hockey country to say, right? Hmm. They're going to give it the old college try. Yeah. You know, how <laughs> dare you? But that's sort of what it is here, right? When you're tired, you really got to concentrate and mentally be prepared for if it does, if it's not working, can I remember how it was when it was working? And I think with the experience, because most of these guys, you know, when it matters, like the pitching side, have been there and done it before and know how to do that. So they're going to give them a chance just up to the lineup and the, and the, to stay away from the bad stuff that they do on the bases, control that. They'll be all right. That is Kevin Barker, former major league baseball player and analyst now with Sportsnet, co-host of Blair and Barker. That noise was also that software changes are needed. The heads up cam. I need some updates. Did you update your software? I didn't. Ah, well, it's that's, good that your computer that's... is letting you know in the middle of the show. Yeah. Why would it? Why would we have silent notifications on? Well, I mean, it's, it must be urgent. Make, you know, make any sense. these updates. Oh it's yeah, very urgent. Update Microsoft Word and yeah, all those other things. Uh, again, that was uh, Kevin Barker, co-host of Barker and uh, Blair and Barker, Sportsnet Radio Network. Hear him all the time. Jay's post game. Jay's off today. Starting a series with the New York Yankees tomorrow. We'll dive into that on tomorrow's show. It was a busy one today. Craig Mers joined us to chat about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Emily Sadler, our new Monday regular here on Sportsnet today, diving into the NFL. Uh, Sunday slate of week two. Keep it locked here on Sportsnet 960. We'll be back tomorrow. Another edition of Flames Talk. Pat and Vickers back from Penticton, so make sure you're tuned into that. We're just days away from training camp beginning here in Calgary. And uh, as we get closer and closer to another NHL season, getting excited. Just remember, your home of the Calgary Flames is right here. It's Sportsnet 960, the fan.